Hey, what's up, guys? It's Blaze Fields, host of Mixed Doubles on KCOU 88.1 FM. I just want to jump on here real quick and kind of uh, give a little bit of a rundown of what to expect for today's episode. We're doing a campfire episode. Um, so, of course, we get the uh, the campfire. We we had the campfire going in Studio A, so that's why you hear these sounds of, of a nice warm bonfire. And we're just taking a very relaxed approach to today's episode. Um, you know, it's been a, it's been kind of a rough time for people with, you know, studying for finals and stuff. So we kind of wanted to just have a relaxing episode where people could just unwind and, you know, hear about some sports discussion. Anyways, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to hop off here. Here is, uh, here's, uh, today's episode. But yeah, welcome to the campfire <laughs> here on Mixed Doubles. We're just going to, just going to be cozy today, folks. Anyway, now that we've... I feel uh, like I need like a hot chocolate. I know. Well, you, you know... Go get you go get you a glass. You know, yeah, if you're next- listening on Spotify after this episode is recorded, take a pause, go grab a hot chocolate, grab a blanket. And and just cozy up because we're gonna get cozy today. I think we've all earned a day to just chill out. We've been we've been going hard. We me and you collectively have been going very hard on these mixed doubles episodes. Yeah. Crafting some great ones. So instead of instead of taking a break and just having no show, we're just gonna we're just going to invite you to relax along with us. Yeah. Let's yeah. start the conversation. Let's start the conversation. Let's start the conversation. Well, first of all, I just want to say congratulations to the Missouri volleyball team as they were selected for the NCAA Volleyball National Championship Woo! Tournament. I'm so excited. They're going to be taking on Delaware at 4.30 this afternoon in the cold tundra of the state of Nebraska. So <laughs> it's the first tournament for the Tigers since 2020, and it'll be the second consecutive uh, tournament that Adam Buzak has attended, that the Missouri Tigers have also attended. So shout out to Adam, who is um, covering the Missouri volleyball team for uh, the Columbia Missourians. So shout out to him if he's listening. And we got a full KCOU crew down there as well. We got Jeffrey yeah. Calhoun and Noah Chen, our resident Don Sullivan and volleyball experts on the call. Aaron Siegel has been doing some awesome broadcasting and producing and reporting for us, so he will be reporting on Twitter. It's super fun that we've had such a strong contingent of volleyball reporters this year, and it's really fun the conversations we've been having at meetings and just watching the broadcasts evolve from last season. I think our station in general was a little bit less familiar with volleyball, and this yeah. season we have a lot of like pseudo-experts who are super excited about the sport, and their energy is contagious, as is Missouri Tigers' wins, wins yeah. and success and the attendance. That's contagious, and so it's hard not to be excited. I'm not usually one to watch all of the selection day videos. Oh my goodness, I was on the live stream on Twitter when selection day came out and thankfully Missouri Tigers were selected in within the first little quadrant so I didn't have to wait very long. And when I saw all of the veterans, especially Getty Cola and Colleen Finney, you know, veterans but new to this team, just their sheer excitement and joy because you know, the Tigers were on a three-match losing streak. There was a little bit of glimmer of skepticism after they lost to Georgia with that taint there. Uh, reputation and the resume in the hands of the selection committee and all those doubts were cast aside and this just gets to be a celebration moment for them. It's so fun, so exciting, but I think we'd be remiss not to take a moment to celebrate their fearless leader who's the reason that they are there this season. Oh yeah. I I am just like, if you, if you think like the KCOU like sports department has gotten jazzed about volleyball like just imagine what it, it you know the don sullivan era has brought to like columbia yes and like that the university itself i mean i see people all the time trying to buy tickets to volleyball games on like the shared snapchat stories and stuff and it's just it, it's just so it's just so awesome especially because i feel like right now there is like i wouldn't say a trend but i feel like there's more of a, a push for you know universities to get more into volleyball i mean you're seeing it in the big 10 how you know Nebraska was able to absolutely sell out an entire football stadium for a volleyball game, and it, it feels like more and more these these smaller sports, volleyball especially though, have been have been getting more getting more hype around it. It, it. it makes me it makes me really excited, and what a time to get back to the tournament for the Tigers. Um, but I guess I should probably talk about who they're going to play. They're playing Delaware. The uh, the what? Blue, blue hens fighting blue hens fighting blue hens they're they're not just blue hens they're also fighting 
Um, and they were the Coastal Athletic Association 2023 Conference Champs, which, of course, gave them an automatic bid into the tournament. And, of course, uh, you know, the Missouri Tigers earned a spot being ranked 7th in the SEC, 9-9 on conference play in SEC. That is very, 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 very good at volleyball. I'm so excited. Don Sullivan uh, is leading them. She was named one of the four SEC coaches of the year this season after improving Missouri's record by eight wins compared to last season. And clearly she's completely overhauled their record and also transformed their roster. But in general, as you mentioned, with the energy at Hearn Center, I mean, they broke attendance records this year. And that's all stems from how visibly stronger the character of this team is. They are excited to support one another. Their energy off the bench is insane. Their ability to dig themselves out of one and two set deficits has been astronomically better than last season. And there have been some clutch five set wins that they have pulled themselves out of, which has been super, super exciting to watch. I'm super excited to watch them against Delaware today. It's going to be a celebration, but I also think they've got that fight in them. Yes, the Fighting Hens have the fight in them, but the Tigers (laughs) are also ready to roar. I mean, let's look at Getty Cola. She's had an insane season. Uh, She has a pretty strong, even matchup against Lonnie Mason for Delaware. However, there's a little bit of a height mismatch that Missouri wins at the net. Um, Some of their hitters are only like 5'9 and 5'10, so Missouri can definitely take advantage of that. But Getty Cola, going back to her, her senior season, this might be her last match. Or Nebraska, if they win this weekend, might be her last match. You know that she's fighting to put it all on the line. Don Sullivan, Coach of the Year, part of that comes from her coaching finesse in restructuring their mindsets after they come off of these tough losses in SEC play. If I have one thing that I'm very, very, very certain of, it is that their mindset is ready to roll. And I think we're going to be able to see that from the first set and looking at are they disciplined? Is the moment too big for them? I don't think it will be, but something they have struggled with all season has been their errors, especially at the net, several net violations, and then their hitting percentages are a little bit of a roller coaster, especially that we saw more prevalent in the last three match losses against Kentucky and Georgia. So making sure that discipline is right there and that they're ready for the moment. But I'm super excited to watch the games available on SEC Network. But like I said at the beginning, if you're looking to listen to the game, make sure to listen on KCOU later this afternoon. Oh, yeah. Any closing thoughts? Uh, Any closing thoughts? I just, I sure hope that the Missouri Tigers, you know, get get a get a W. Get a W. Get a W. Move on. Shout out to the Delaware mascot, Udy. Oh, yeah. Udy is the fighting blue hen. He's named after the state word of Delaware. Can you tell the audience how that's spelled? Yes, it's Y-O, capital U-D, as in University of Delaware, E-E, pronounced U-D. Um, This is the story per the website Mascot Hall of Fame. According to the University of Delaware, U-D's great-great-great-grandfather, Colonel George W. U-D, distinguished himself (laughs) in the American Revolutionary War and was cited for bravery in battle. Uh, quote, this, this is, is a, all a long this is a, quote. A bird? <laughs> well, I think the captain is a person, but here's where the bird But he gave in. birth to a bird? And I'm not sure how the lineage works, but it says, Captain John Caldwell, commenting after the Battle of Trenton, said, quote, there's no yellow streak in that chicken. He's blue to the bone. Oh, I see. So Captain John Caldwell referred to Colonel Udy as a blue chicken man of valor. <laughs> UD was given a gold medal of valor, so blue and yellow gold. Oh, I see. So blue and yellow gold now serve as UD's official colors. Wait. And then it gets better. Captain Jonathan Caldwell actually carried blue hens with them into combat. What? So if you're following listeners, congratulations, because I wasn't. But I I don't understand fully how all of that comes into play. But he is a six foot eight inch mascot. Okay. Um... He's got, yeah. Dude, that that dude should go to the league. The the hit, he should be the first ever mascot athlete because six foot eight is insane. I wonder how many UDs are available on campus, if you know what I mean, and that you know that there are six foot eight height requirements. You know, I I imagine casting for that's the word I was looking for. Uh, yeah, yeah, casting, casting for a six foot eight blue hen. It's probably a little. I, do they like? Maybe they just like wear really big top hats. Or what? <laughs> I. That's got to be some like former. And and you said you said athlete it, high school his athletes grandfather. The the bird's grandfather. <laughs> that is what it says. Is a man. 
That is what it says. Oh boy, I don't know. I don't want to know what they get up to in Delaware at this point. This is, this is ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm the, thinking Truman the Tiger takes him any day. Oh, I'm excited. Sure. Go Miz as a Mizzou fan. Miz as a journalist cheering for a strong match against two yeah. coaches and strong teams. Also go Tigers. <laughs> something we can something we can put on the highlight reel. Something we can put on the 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 highlight reel for you know next season when they show the Mizzou volleyball hype oh, footage. Oh, absolutely. Shall we transition to our next story? I, I today? think I think we should. Um, which is that Dion Sanders was named Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year. Um, Abigail, do you agree with Mr. Sanders' uh, selection here? Before I answer that question, I will talk about why this didn't surprise me. He revolutionized Colorado's football program and school completely. His revenue and respect for the sport of football and his respect for revitalizing a football program is unmatched in the league. Uh, I read the article by Pat Ford, a Sports Illustrated reporter. Highly recommend. It was a really, really interesting article. Here are some numbers he included to kind of outline the prime effect, as it's so been coined. Uh, Not only on Colorado's football program, but also on their admissions program. So first-year applications rose 26.4% year-over-year with the addition of prime on the coaching staff. Black or African-American student applications are up 80.6%. International applications are up 38.4% from 97 countries, including 16 countries that had never had any applications last year. And then economically speaking for the entire Boulder community as a whole, attendance at home games increased by a third from last season, which the Visit Boulder Convention Center estimates generated an estimated $77.8 million economic impact on the first four home games alone for the larger Boulder community. So his economic impact and his educational impact is unmatched. Yeah. My question lies in, the title is Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year. I'm not sure he was the most winningest nor most impressive athletic person in the country this year. Colorado, as a football program, went 4-8 and eight and finished 1-8 and eight in conference, which was the worst in the Pac-12, including an almost embarrassing loss to CSU. The, the sports aspect of that I question a little bit, but before I get into who I might suggest for some non-revenue sport runner-ups, I'd like to get your take. Were you surprised, A, by his winning of this title, and B, do you agree with it? I Am I surprised? Not necessarily. I feel like this is jumping on to the hype of Coach Prime because Coach Prime has essentially become a brand. He has yeah. his own Amazon Prime show coming out, <laughs> which is funny. Um, yeah, so he's got his own Amazon Prime show coming out. He's got the Prime sunglasses. He's got, you know, it, he, he's, you know, been on ESPN himself on the Pat McAfee show, College Game Day, all sorts of different, you know, media ventures and he's doing a great job he's doing a great job out there recruiting and making colorado a team that was not very good a year ago look a little bit better yeah but the thing is the team still went four and eight if you look at the wikipedia page for the sports illustrated sports person of the year they have a blurb of like hey this is what people did in order to win this in order to win this award and it says for revitalizing the Colorado Buffaloes football program, despite a four and eight record. Ooh, interesting. If you have the word "despite" <laughs> in the description for why you won something, it's kind of throws it off a little bit, you know. <laughs> and look, I it it's a crazy new tactic of just being very famous and letting your players be themselves. And doing, you know, they they did crazy stuff. They had Travis Hunter, who was a two-way player. Shador Sanders, it's his son. He's playing great, great quarterback play there at the University of Colorado. But at the same time, he's not going to win Coach of the Year. When the Coach of the Year award is handed out, it is not going to go to Deion Sanders. And that's why I'm kind of like, well, does he deserve the award? Not, not really. He feels more like a Time 100 Person of the Year or People of the Year Yeah, exactly. Like, I am absolutely not discounting his impact, his value. I respect him so much for, A, overcoming all of his own personal obstacles. And, you know, it's college football in general and the sports world in general has not always been kind to uh, Deion Sanders. 
nor a lot of his own athletes. And the fact that he has just pushed all of that aside and said, I'm going to be successful despite, to use that same word, all of that, all of the obstacles and all of the hate, he has done a phenomenal job. But yeah, at the end of the day, I'm like, for a sports magazine, I'm not sure that if you look at the statistics, the numbers back this up. But I think he deserves some type of award because I think this is the world in which college football is going. It's going to go towards a place where smaller schools have more recruiting power if they have brand names within their coaching staff or on their teams, if they know how to utilize NIL to their advantage, which of course Coach Prime has and will continue to do. And clearly he knows his football. I mean, he is a mastermind of offensive scheming. I think sometimes in a lot of those large matchups, especially when they lost rather poorly to Oregon, it's that his personnel didn't meet the necessities and the terms of his schemes. Like he had all this, he's an offensive mastermind, but didn't have the personnel to kind of fulfill, I think, where he wanted to take the program. Yeah, and I, I feel like a good comparison for Deion Sanders' effect on college football is what Lionel Messi is doing to soccer in America. Yeah, And I, I feel like, like he, as somebody who won the Ballon d'Or, which is, of course, the, you know, prestigious, basically, MVP of soccer, right? He won the World Cup in December. He scored 21 goals and 20 assists for PSG in a, in a, in a season where they ended up winning their league. And then he comes over to America and, you know, makes MLS League Pass a must-have because people are wanting to see Messi play for Miami. And, you know, he, you know, revitalizes their attendance. He, you know, makes the MLS finally a soccer league that can be put on the map with other soccer leagues because now they have the best player in the world. And so that's a person who I would have liked to see this, especially considering the fact that only... Six people since 1956, when this award was first awarded, the Sports Person of the Year, only six people, not from the United States, have won this award individually. Wow. And a lot of them were from Canada and Great Britain, so English-speaking countries. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it would have been more equitable, and I think it would have been more deserving if a guy like Lionel Messi would have won this award, especially if we're going for who had the biggest impact on a sport that maybe wasn't the apple of... America's eye. Yeah. So that's really interesting. What what about you, Abigail? Do you have any other like uh people who you think should have won this award? I'm gonna throw out some non revenue sport athletes who perhaps haven't had this national or international acclaim and haven't revolutionized the sports but deserve the award in its essence of athletic feats. Yeah. Uh, a few of them, Michaela Schifrin, we talked about her in the last February. Uh, She has surpassed all men's and women's skiing records and has, as of 2023, won more World Cups than any other person ever. And with the Olympics, well, we got the Summer Olympics rolling around, but still, it's always important to mention people who are literally on top of the world. Erin Mattson, such an exciting story. She is 22 years old. She is the youngest coach in D1 athletics in the entire nation. She won four straight field hockey NCAA titles as a player at UNC, was hired immediately after graduating, and then in her first season as a 22-year-old head coach, won a national title with UNC. She's also a three-time national player of the year. I mean, her story is insane. By all accounts, going from playing and then coaching those her same teammates which is a strange power dynamic that she had to adjust and maneuver some of her former teammates are older than her and then finding the same success without herself on the team who was a core player i mean that's insane that is insane that's like if that's like if michael jordan retired from basketball instead to coach the chicago bulls and they just won again and won again without him on the team like it's kind of mind-blowing age is one thing the fact that as an athlete she won four in a row like she's crazy impressive so congratulations to her this is a uh, Aaliyah Boston, I think, is in the conversation of athletic feats. She had a phenomenal NCAA year. Also, if we're talking about bringing attention awareness to the sport, that's what Prime did for Colorado. That's what Messi did for the MLS in general. Aaliyah Boston was a key factor in generating buzz for yeah. women's basketball in college. Her uh, 
talents, frankly, and her revolutionizing of the sport brought so much more attention to South Carolina's team, to the SEC in general. And then she turned around, got drafted straight into the league, was held onto, which is tricky in the WNBA because of how small their market size is, and then won Rookie of the Year. So I think yeah. she's also in that conversation. I Yeah. I mean, and you look at other, like, women's basketball players who have like revolutionized women's yeah. basketball. You could look at Caitlin Clark. You could look at Angel Reese. Angel Reese took a, a a program that, you know, was going up against South Carolina, right? The the name in women's college sports beat them, beats Caitlin Clark, and is pulling in NIL deals left and right. I know there's some like controversy around her right now, but what she did over the course of that one tournament is something that like overnight she became the the, college, the women's college basketball player, and yeah. people are so excited for her. And I think when she gets into the WNBA, it is going to boost those viewership numbers so much. I mean, I, you know, I I hate making comparisons between like the WNBA and the NBA because they're two, in my opinion, they're like two separate sports. But to me, this is their Magic Johnson, Larry Bird moment. Is Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese two players who have like feuded against each other throughout college, bring an exceptional amount of hype. Once they get into the league, it's going to be insane. So I feel like you could have gone that route as well. Yeah. So I don't know, but I'll tell you what the fl- the fire here it's dying a little bit. I'm going to run out <laughs> back. I'm going to go get some logs to throw on here. Keep it going. So we will be right back in a few moments. Stay tuned. KCOU. We're just normal enough to appreciate Drake's cultural relevance, but just weird enough to make a sweeper like this. KCOU thanks its listeners, sponsors, and Cafe Berlin for their support of this station. Cafe Berlin offers locally sourced brunch and cocktails from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. with live music at night in downtown Columbia, unique waffle and drink specials weekly, plus a wide variety of vegan and vegetarian options. Additional information can be found at Cafe Berlin Como on Instagram. Welcome back to, again, another relaxing episode of Mixed Doubles. I'm Blaze Fields. Of course, as always, next to me, Abigail Klapatowskis. We have built a nice little fire here in KCOU Studio A. No fire alarms going off yet. That would really impact the vibe, in my opinion. But you know what? Hey, who cares? We're just having fun. For clarity, if anyone's listening and concerned, there's... The fire is just in our hearts. (laughs) The fire is in our hearts. It's just an atmospheric... Thing. Yeah, you know, we'll, may or may not be a little ox cable with some fire sounds. Well, a magician never reveals his tricks, <laughs> Abigail. <laughs> Let's not get too concerned. Well, I, I, I do want to, I do want to throw a shout out to uh, Profa Maximus on YouTube for <laughs> the, the video entitled "Relaxing Sound Dash Fire Crackling Parentheses <laughs> One Hour Parentheses." So, thank you for, thank you for really, you know, creating a nice chill vibe here in Studio A, um, because. Again, like I said, you know, it's a very stressful time for Mizzou students, and you know, I don't want to come at them with, hey, sports, sports. <laughs> There's so much stuff happening in sports. We don't even have time to talk about it, but we're going to talk, we're going to try anyway. <laughs> sports, 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 you know. I feel like I, I don't, I don't want to stress people out. I don't want to be the alarm clock on somebody's bed going off at 7 a.m., you know. That was so, a really great analogy. Thank you. Thank you. We are going to talk about sports. We are going to talk about nice, sports, but just in a nice, going. calm manner. So In I a feel- way that if you want to scroll through ESPN tonight or CBS or ABC and, and click on a game, you have a little background. You have a little background. To make that game relevant. If you're like, I'd rather just go to bed early or watch a Christmas movie or watch any type of holiday movie, you do that as well. Do it as well. I'm not your mom. <laughs> do whatever makes you feel good. I so. think my mom would be on top, you know, should be a proponent of either of those choices. Uh, hey. Your mom sounds like... A very rela- <laughs> relaxed figure. She's a great person. Great person. Shout out, shout out Kathleen for real. All right, so we're going to move into some conference football championship games. These are very important. We're going to start with probably the most important one, which yes. is Washington versus Oregon, because the they um, the winner, what Oregon was what, number five, I think? Number five in the college football playoff grand scheme of things, or maybe number six. 
thought Texas was five. I think the last two out were Oregon Ohio, is five. Oregon is five. Ohio State, State is six. Texas, yes. Yes. So, in my opinion, this game is going to decide who from the Pac-12 is going to be in the Final Four. Um, I feel Seems like, like I feel by like that's all just how analysts' accounts win and you're in. Yeah, and so this is going to be the most important game of the season for both these teams. Um, the first, the first time they played, absolute banger, absolute banger, and we're going to see Bo Nix. You know, he is, you know, going to be a very, very prized prospect when the NFL draft comes around. Yep. Abigail, what do you think about Oregon versus Washington? Who's going to win this game? The first duel was one of the best games of the season. I got onto the Pac-12 bandwagon a little too little, a little too late, as it's dissolving into nothingness after this season. But normally was not a Pac-12 after dark watcher, especially in Iowa. I was in bed. <laughs> However, this season, I finally got onto the back. Pac-12, watched this game. Remember, it was just super, super fun. Two extremely high-scoring offensive brigades. Lot in line, as you mentioned. I still think, though, what's wild to me is the Huskies are the underdogs, even though they are undefeated and ranked third in the CFP rankings right now. They're still the underdogs. The Ducks are the 10-point favorites. And I felt like that was the narrative the first time they played as well. And I understand why. Bo Nix says he's playing, quote, loose and free. He's not seeking perfection. He's, quote, reaching for excellence. I think the Ducks have this mentality of we have nothing to lose. We already have one loss in the season. Let's go play and have fun and maybe wind ourselves in the playoffs. Meanwhile, Washington is clinging to this win, undefeated record. Yeah. And yet, I think they deserve the win more because they, you know, like, it's crazy that they already beat Oregon once and they have to beat them again to get into the playoffs. You know, this game is like that game doesn't ceases to exist or have any importance, you know, like because they won that game, it seems like they should have a leg up on Oregon. And yet there's no like tiebreaker in this conversation. Does that make sense to you? I, yeah, that, that makes sense. It's, it's kind of interesting because it's like, we've, we've, we've already did this and now I have to do it again. Yeah. It has the, it has the feeling of like, in college football, every game is pretty much life or death for your playoff circumstances. Yeah. And so the fact that, like, since every game feels like a playoff game, like the Mizzou Georgia game was like, okay, either we are going to make the college football playoff yeah. and be ranked like number two, or we're just going to go, you know, to a New Year's Six bowl game. Like, it was that important. Yeah. The fact that early on, that, you know, the, the first game was incredibly important considering how the Pac 12 is shaped out to be one of the best football conferences in America right now. Um, rest in peace, though. <laughs> I, an obligatory early rest in peace. I don't know. We'll see what happens with, you know, the Mountain West and whatnot. But um, essentially, though, like, it, it, yeah, no, it just feels like you're running it back. And, you know, it's it's not like the NFL where it's just like, oh, it's just a regular season game. Like, no, you know, these games are very important. And now having to run it back again, especially if you're Washington, who, you know, I feel like kind of got away with one. I feel like that was a game where Oregon looked pretty, like, looked as good as they've ever been. And Washington was just barely able to beat them. And yeah. now they got to go up again against Oregon, who is absolutely monstrous. I mean, you talk about Bo Nix one of the Heisman, you know, the Heisman Trophy implications here are insane because both Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. are squarely in the conversation. And no, they, Jane and Daniels. Well, this con- okay, okay, no okay, conversation. Okay, okay, there is no conversation, but I will say they're in the that, conversation. That they're, in, that they're in the conversation, right? If, if, and so I feel like, you know, if, if for instance... Like, this is going to be the difference between are you going to be second in the Heisman voting or, like, third or fourth? Okay, true. Yeah. If and so I feel like that's yeah. where it's kind of important, especially considering the fact that they have nearly identical stats. Bo Nix has them on the 78% completion percentage, which is just absolutely eye-popping. But And the fact that he's their third running back on the roster. Yeah, true. It, it It's just like, I mean, I could go on and on about Bo Nix all day, but... I feel like with with this game, I think it's just going to come down to the fact that Oregon's offensive line has allowed five sacks this season, and Washington has are is, is outside of the top 100 when it comes to creating sacks. So I feel like that's where the battle is going to be won, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Oregon. Washington, I think, is going to put up a heck of a fight though, and I think this is going to be a game you should have your eyes on at all times. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm. 
I think I'll take Washington as well. I think that's where my mind has been at all morning, and I'm going to stick to that. Let's move on to okay. two more teams who will also be exiting their conference after this season. We've got, or excuse me, Texas will. One team. Oklahoma State is staying strong in the Big if, 12. If Oklahoma would have, you know... That's who I was thinking. If, if Oklahoma would have, you know, not choked against Oklahoma State... Oh, you stole my point. This uh, game should have oh, yeah. been a Red River Showdown Part 2, but alas... Good for OSU. Everyone keeps saying, oh, Oklahoma should have been here. No, they shouldn't have. OSU beat them fair and square, and good for them. (laughs) I got to give credit where credit's due. They ended up in this conference. I don't think they stand a chance in the title game, but I'm happy happy they're there. I think Texas takes this. In line with all of these quotes and storylines, I just kind of want to read a few talking about Texas's mentality heading into this game. They're really taking on this embracing the hate literally quotably embracing the hate and they are motivating themselves based you know oh we're leaving and everyone's saying sayonara and no one really likes texas and all this and their coach has been talking a lot about that in press conferences and then evidently in either their locker room or somewhere at their football complex facility they have a tagline quote what starts here changes the world I don't know what exactly that means. It's a yeah. little strange and a bit debatably conceited, but <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I don't think I don't think the Texas Longhorns football team is going to be solving any sort of international crisis anytime soon. So it is true that I would think that tagline belongs more fittingly in like a cancer research lab on Texas's campus, or yeah, there you go. Anywhere else, like they are an impressive football team. <laughs> they're, they're an impressive football team, but they're not in the top four. If anybody deserves that tagline, that's true. I would probably give it to Georgia, but yeah. no football tag should have the tagline. No football team should have the tagline of "What we do here is going to change the world." Because realistically, not really. Let's bring it down to earth a little bit. Let's, let's bring it down to earth. I know, I know that they generate a lot of money, but yeah. it, may, it might change Texas's campus. It ain't going to change the world, though. I will say that. That one was just a little strange. But it gives you a nice idea of the whole mentality entering into this game. Like, they've got a lot of storylines. OSU's just happy to be there. The Longhorns <laughs> enter the game as 15-point favorites, and I'm going to side with the with the Bulls. I'm also... Bull, bull, Longhorns? Longhorns? Longhorns. Longhorns. Speaking of Longhorns, while I was, I was just scrolling through here, apparently a fraternity on Oklahoma State's campus straight up killed a Longhorn... Oh, before this football oh, game, which is just ridiculous. Which is ridiculous. That's a little, a little bit much. A little bit much just to kill an animal. Let's, you know? Again, bring it down to bring earth, it guys. down to earth, guys. This is a big twelve. But I, again, this just shows how much hate that Texas and Oklahoma is carrying. Which, not to not to off not to off track everything, but I really really hope that Mizzou does not get Texas in the Cotton Bowl because that is a matchup that I'm going to see regardless of bowl standing next year i know i was thinking the same thing a lot of these big 12 sec potential matchups i I, i'm just not i'm not a fan of it like it's not that i want to duck texas or anything like that i just we're gonna see it next year yeah we're it'd be like it'd be like if we were to face alabama in a bowl game yeah it just doesn't make any logistical sense whenever we're going to play them no matter what next year i feel like i'd rather face a team like a washington if they don't make the playoff or i don't know a penn state like those are fun matchups those are matchups that like you don't see every day, so yeah. I feel like that should be what is going to be what should be prioritized whenever, you know, we're figuring out a bowl game. And I think the athletic department knows that too, as well. So, and DRF, we trust. I know and that DRF. she she knows she knows what needs to happen. I was listening earlier. You you brought up the Peach Bowl. I want the Peach Bowl. I'm so very bad. very keen on the Peach Bowl. I think that would be a really cool stage. Peachy for them keen, to play. if you will. Ooh, look at you. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. We're gonna move on. Okay. To the matchup, I don't care about. Just kidding. Actually, not really. Just kidding. I I. I don't know if I even have a favorite. Alabama versus Georgia. <sighs> I don't want to really cheer for either team. Yeah. I say this. I, listen, this is complete SEC bias coming out right now. I have never really been a large fan of Alabama or Georgia. All respect to both of their programs. It's not because I disrespect them. It's because they're so annoyingly good. That's it. Okay. Yeah. It, there's like no basis to this. I'm I'm completely biased. And as a fan, it's just hard for me to cheer either way. Um Especially after Bama found one, just kidding. Auburn found every way to lose the Iron Bowl. That was it. I mean, I'll give uh, I'll give Alabama a little bit more props. Okay, that last fourth down that, play was that, insane. That is a fourth. It, it says fourth and twenty six on the ticker, but he was making that throw from about the forty yard line and throwing it into the corner of the end zone. 
that is a that is one of those rare plays in fo- I don't know what it is about the Iron Bowl, but that is one of the rare plays that I've witnessed with my own eyes that had me off my couch screaming. It was so good. And I, then looking at Nick Saban's reaction on the sideline, he kind of smiled, but it was like <laughs> it's like he just knows. He's like I've got the best one of the best teams in the league and I, I mean they, I just know I just they, know I'm gonna win well I mean he did say they practiced that play yeah specifically so good. you know I mean he probably didn't expect to have to bring it out and you know to win the Iron Bowl but I, I don't know what it is and I'll, I'll say this those Alabama Auburn games are usually always close no matter the state of what each program yeah. is in like I mean obviously Alabama is usually a 10 11 win team that is like you know destined to go to the college football playoff but it doesn't matter how good or bad auburn is they play alabama so unbelievably close all the time and weird stuff just happens weird stuff just happens in the iron bowl so i'm not gonna sit here and be like oh alabama like you know they they got away with one there because that's just that's just how the iron bowl is but i feel like this whole like do you believe in miracles type thing is what might carry them to a win over georgia there's something, I think they could. I think they could. There's something about the psychological effect of having a big play like that yeah. where essentially it's like we are playing with house money, but we're motivated to win this thing. Yeah. Like, you know, when teams feel destined to win, it like makes them more likely to win is essentially yeah. the point I'm trying to make here. And they've already had a loss in the season. They've dug themselves. Which they lost to, which they lost to Texas. Yeah, they had, it was not a bad loss. It, but compared to the giant who refuses to lose football games, yeah, because so, they don't lose, I guess. I, I'll say this: I mean, Georgia probably will win. Like, I if I had to put money on it, I would put money on Georgia. But sports gambling is illegal in the state of Missouri. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Alabama wins this game just because yeah, I, I feel like Georgia they've gotten away with a lot of bet with a lot of bad football by Georgia's standards. Yeah. And, you know, it all just kind of seems to work out for them, you know. I feel like they've been playing it a little bit too cool. Like, yeah. going down 10 nothing to Georgia Georgia Tech was, yeah. you know, not a pretty sight. So Auburn, South Carolina, Missouri, all three games, they looked a little less invincible than they sometimes have. Yeah, and Alabama, they look really good. They have talent. Yeah. They have talent. It's- I think Alabama is by far the most well-disciplined team they have played. Missouri's offense looked pretty good and their defense looked pretty good, but Missouri is not necessarily a well-disciplined team in big moments. We saw how many penalty flags flew against them when they played Georgia. Saban is going to have them conducting a tight ship when they play Georgia. I think either team can win. I don't really want either team to win. (laughs) All right, moving Moving on. on. Iowa versus Michigan. The only time I will ever say this, probably on air. Go Hawkeyes. Go Hawkeyes. Just kidding. I just think it would be hilarious. I'm always choosing chaos when it comes to college football playoffs, unless my teams are involved. And how chaotic would it be if they actually did? Like, I mean, can we I, just play out that scenario for one moment? It would be incredible. It would be absolutely incredible. And I mean, Iowa has a good defense. They do. They have a really good defense. They do. And I feel like... I mean, Michigan's going to win this game because Iowa is allergic to scoring more than 24 (laughs) points. But, you know. But it's fun to dream. It's just fun to dream. It'd be fun to dream. I think it would be the perfect encapsulation of Iowa's season if they turn this Michigan offense that has looked, you know, very, 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 very good at times into just an absolute, you know, we're stuck in the mud, punt back and forth, punt, interception, fumble, punt, like... Did you see the guys wearing punt sweatshirts, uh, the Nebraska-Iowa game? They wore no, sweatshirts but that's incredible. and they cheered for the punts, and I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, oh, my gosh. That is, that's what you that's a great bit. That's that a is, great bit. It is. But, yeah, no, essentially, like, I mean, the more times Michigan punts the ball, I, celebrate. The more the more confident I am that Iowa is going to win this football <laughs> game. I know that's like I know that's like conventional wisdom. The more times the other team offense, like, gets rid of the – gives the ball to you. But whenever you're Iowa, like, <laughs> and you have no offense – like, a punt is literally like a touchdown. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Here is what c- casts away any excitement that I have. Like, any moment where I'm like, but Iowa has a good defense. Except for when they played Penn State earlier in September and got shut out 31 zip. So, <laughs> yeah, the defense tough. didn't quite show up in that game. And I'm not thinking that they're going to suddenly materialize against Michigan. But you never know. We, we shall see. Moving on to the last and I think most heartbreaking matchup, Louisville versus FSU. Listen, FSU deserves to go to the playoffs. 
they are undefeated. They deserve to go. That injury against Jordan Travis was heartbreaking. He suffered a season-ending leg injury. And now, as of today, there are unconfirmed rumors circulating on social media that backup Tade Roanmaker is a questionable under concussion protocol after he suffered a bad targeting late hit in the fourth quarter against Florida last week, which would put them at their third quarterback who I'm not even sure who their third stringer is. So I'm really, really hoping that Roadmaker is available, although the rumors are not looking very positive. I mean, it's just an absolute travesty. No no, no pun intended. Um, but it, it is, like, really sad because the way the way Jordan Travis was playing, it, it, it kind of reminded me of watching the Arkansas game and, you know, seeing, you know, their number one guy go yeah. down with an injury really early, too. Like those are both guys who have given a lot to their respective programs, and I think deserved a chance to, you know, fin- finish out the season, finish out what they've started. Especially Florida State, who, you know, undefeated, number five in the country. It just had an opportunity to sneak in. I just feel yeah. bad. But on the flip side, there are always two teams to cheer for, and there's kind of a cool story with Louisville, too. They've got the prodigal son, new coach Jeff Brom, who rerouted Louisville this season after a pretty unsuccessful season last year. They went 8-5. and five. Brom came in, switched them to 10-2. and two. He was a formal, former pretty successful quarterback for the Cardinals. Uh, he deserves a lot of credit for their strong season and rerouting their entire offense. They are led by their immensely successful running game. I'm not discounting any of that. I think they have a really cool storyline. They deserve to be in this game, but I just feel really bad for FSU. However, you never know. Crazier things have happened in title game matchups. You never know. You never know. And the fact that Louisville is driven by the run game means FSU has a pretty strong run defense. We will see, but well wishes to both quarterbacks who are recovering and just just wish the season didn't have to end this way yeah for sure i mean uh, again like you said crazier things have happened and the florida state football team is a lot more than just one or two people absolutely so absolutely all right well we are going to discuss our spotify wrapped um we had some pretty interesting uh some pretty interesting statistics from our podcasting but first abigail i want to ask you um what did your spotify wrapped look like this this year I think these results are going to shock you. Guess who my artist of the year was? Does it rhyme with Baylor Bift? <laughs> That's correct. Taylor what? Swift. Who else? Me and I feel like every other person who also listens to music on Spotify. My song of the year was Next Thing You Know by Jordan Davis, which is kind of funny. However, okay. that encapsulates the vibe. I felt like I was listening to a lot of music this summer and fall, a lot of country um, kind of some know, nostalgic. I don't know if I've heard that one. Like next thing you know. Uh, I'm not going to say it on know. air. You I can listen know. to it later. Okay. Uh, Spotify introduced a new thing with their Spotify Wrapped this year, which told you the city that your music tastes kind of tracked you to. So according to you and all the other whoa, listeners on Spotify, it assigned you a city. So some people were getting Virginia, somewhere in Virginia. I forget the city. Green Bay, Wisconsin. I got Provo, Utah. Interesting. Interesting, but not entirely because I listen to a lot of lyricless Christian and country music while I'm working at the writing center. Okay. So like at least eight hours a week are a lot of kind of soft music. Wow, interesting. That plus Taylor Swift and a lot of country kind of makes sense. So that that, that does make sense. It was a little strange, but I get it. I get it. Uh, can you guess what my number one artist is? Drake. No. Taylor Swift. No. Oh. Number number four. Number four was uh, Taylor Swift. Tyler Childers. Really? Tyler, Interesting. Tyler Childers. I, I really enjoy his music. He came out with a new album this year, and I listen to a lot of a lot of Tyler Childers in anticipation for that. And because I also listen to a lot of country music, um, I listen to rap more, but I, I listen to a lot of country music. Bozeman, um, I, I, I don't know what... Bozeman, Montana was the, uh, heard a was, lot of was the city I got, which is really interesting because... Why? <laughs> like, I, I feel like there's a lot of places that listen to country music. I guess my music taste, I guess, aligned with the good people in Bozeman. But um, you're like my third friend that was connected to Bozeman, Montana. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, I, hey, shout out to shout out to my good people in Montana. Wish it would have been more like Springfield, Missouri, but hey, 
I'm sure they got some cool stuff going on there. Actually, I think I saw a TikTok about Bozeman, Montana, and that actually looks like a pretty cool town. I wonder if this puts them on the map. Like, suddenly everyone's <laughs> researching what is Bozeman, Montana. Hey, I'll... I'll I'll go down there if they're listening down? to the type. I think it's north. Oh well, I'll go up there. I'll go up there if, if they're listening to the same kind of music I'm listening to. Then they must be great friends. So I'm sure they're very friendly. Yeah. Um. What? Oh, my song of the year was. Uh, <laughs> hold on a second. I I need to go back to my uh, my Spotify Wrapped here. Click through. Click through. Click through. My Spotify song of the year was Stuntman by Tyler the Creator featuring Vince Staples. Nice. Um, kind of made it. That one probably not as surprising. No, not at all. But uh, yeah, it's a, a very good song. Came out on Tyler the Creator's Deluxe for his uh, 2021 album, Call Me If You Get Lost. So it is quite possibly one of the most addicting songs I've ever listened to. It's just got the beats insane, the inflection, like, oh. <laughs> playing Queen's Gambit, looking like an extra, got different colored okay, chess pieces so hanging from my be, necklace. We do not ooh, need to be rapping right ooh. now. Well, speaking of rapping, we had a little <laughs> bit of <laughs> transitions are insane. The fire music is really going to our heads. I think yeah, we're getting I, a little too poetic. I think we are. But uh so we had our, our mixed doubles wrapped. Um what do you think our artist of the year was? This was not based on Spotify data, but based on listening through many of our episodes when I edit them and upload them to our Spotify. By the way, if you ever miss an episode, check us out on Spotify, interact. We Shameless love, plug. Yeah, absolutely. We love hearing from y'all, and we thank you for always listening and following and sending us your reactions. But anywho, as I was editing, we put a lot of Beyonce and Rihanna songs in our transitions. Yeah. I would say... Both of those singers probably tie for Artist of the Year. Umbrella. Yep. For sure. And then also Crazy in Love. Yep. I think those get played probably once or twice a show. And you can usually tell when Abigail is behind the boards, you know, doing the, produ the production. Because that it's usually always we end it with what? Umbrella and we start with Crazy in Love. Yep. And and shamelessly because two bops, the two bops, two great songs. What, what am I do? What am I gonna do? Play a different song? No, no. <laughs> no. There's no other song to play. Peak of music right there. Peak of, peak of radio outros right there. Um, for this one, most minutes we spent talking about Patrick Mahomes. You said too many. <laughs> um, hurtful, but I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I get it. I, I feel just, like we haven't given Jordan Love enough love on the uh, show. Mm, so we'll balance I, that. Okay, okay. Great Thanksgiving. He had a, Thank you. a world-class Thanksgiving it against the amazing. Detroit Lions. Was not expecting that. Actually, you know what? I, I got to say this. Every time I've watched Jordan Love, when he looks good, he looks like a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I when agree. he plays good. When he plays bad, he looks awful. But we got a balance. He had such a great start to the season, and I just feel like people were being way too hard on him because it's it's Jordan Love and it's the trendy thing to hate Jordan Love because he replaced Aaron Rodgers, blah, 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 blah. I, he looks like he has the stuff for two to three years from now, be a playoff quarterback. 100%. He has one of the youngest offenses in the entire league. Mm -hmm. You're taking the training wheels off of a rookie quarterback and expecting him to bike effortlessly down a hill. And the first couple of times, he skinned his knee a few times. But now we got back up on the bike, and we pedaled right past the Lions, and we're yeah. going to go right past the Chiefs. So. No, well, that's just not true. But um, <laughs> he, he's he got a great arm, though, and I... I the, there were a couple throws against Detroit that were absolutely amazing. I think he had a dime really early in the game to Christian Watson to sort of set the tone. And let me tell you what, the tone was Detroit Lions beat down. Absolutely. All right, we got to keep going. Uh, our listeners' favorite episode per Spotify's data this season, shout out to Tommy Gleason. Okay. Our, their favorite okay. episode was our episode in the spring. We covered the NCAA championships, NBA breakdown, and our master's preview with Tommy Gleason. This episode was streamed 214% more than any other episode. <laughs> Wow. So I'm thinking what the data is telling us is we have to have Tommy. Gleason yeah, we gotta back get on. To, we gotta get Tommy back on. I yeah. feel like I feel like you know we need to run back our uh, um, newlywed game type deal that we I did agree. last year. I Although feel like that'd be fun. Although every time I get excited about those games, I realize I'm so bad at those games. But yeah. you know what? We I'll do it for the listeners because the listeners responded well to Tommy. I, I I try to think that I'm good at those games, but then one time I guessed Ruthie's Taylor favorite Taylor Swift song wrong, and let me tell you what, I have not heard the end of it. So. <laughs> Folks, you can mess up, but you'll never mess up harder than Blaze Fields forgetting Ruthie, the number one Taylor Swift fan's favorite song. 
quickly, we just want to take a moment to thank you all, our humble, awesome listeners. You guys react so well. We really appreciate when you text us your favorite parts of the episodes. Yep. And thank you because our podcast grew a ton this year. We saw 149% increase in streams across 2023, 50% increase in followers. Our podcast, one of the coolest metrics was streamed in three countries including Hess Germany we believe it's pronounced shout out if you are listening from Hess Germany yeah four percent of our audience is from Germany which is so cool that's to me. so interesting like we think that's awesome thank you so much for listening along and that has been consistent even in 2022 so they are listening and still they're, here. they're coming back they're coming back for more please respond to our polls we would love to hear from you yeah of course uh the coolest data to me though was where our podcast ranks amongst our listeners' other podcasts. So we are the top 10 podcast for 21 fans, the top five podcast for 18 fans. Seven of our listeners call us the number one podcast they listen to, which is wow. so cool. That's incredible. So thank you so much, y'all. We really, really appreciate it. We it do appreciate it. It makes my heart so happy to scroll through our previous episodes. This is just our little fun thing that we do, but we do spend several hours almost <laughs> every single week preparing our outlines, texting each other, making the yeah. show as as good and strong as possible hopefully bring bring you guys some perspectives you enjoy and we are super excited to keep the momentum rolling next semester yeah and abigail thank you thank you for doing this with me because you know i feel like i feel like one of my favorite parts of doing the show is just the fact that i I get to do it with one of my my close friends and i feel like you know i feel like the show is just giving us something to bond over and something that we can be like you know look back on like i'll always be like I, I feel like I'll always like, like I consider you like a, a pretty big piece of my life because whenever I look back at this radio show, I can't tell the story to my kids about mixed doubles without mentioning you. So oh, I feel you. like I feel like you know, thank you for for joining us with that. So hey, you can add that to our mixed doubles wrapped sappy moments with Blaze Fields. <laughs> Throw another one on there. I think there's been at least like three or four this year. So, but yeah, no. Um, where uh, the, fl- the again the fire is is slowly dying i've run out of s'mores so we're probably going to exit the studio here uh, get a little fire extinguisher going just in case you know make sure whenever you start a fire out in the woods um you make sure you stomp it out make sure you stomp it out make sure you know it's it's good because we don't want any wildfires to happen Smokey the bear will thank you wow we are <laughs> really dragging this out <laughs> anyway anyway thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of mixed doubles i hope it was as cozy for you as it was for us you can check us out mixed doubles underscore kcou on instagram and if you miss the show don't worry about it and check our spotify but if you uh if you're if you got a free moment at 1 p.m on fridays listen take a listen anyway we're getting out of here. We're peacing out. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a little dipski here, but not before playing Crazy in Love by Beyonce. This was mixed doubles. <laughs> and this is, of course, the aforementioned Crazy in Love by Beyonce.